Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've had those conversations. You remember them. There's only maybe a handful of them in your life, but you go back to those conversations where you engaged somebody or they engaged you in a way that changed the nature of your heart, the warmth of your relationship. Parents to children, friend to friend, colleague to colleague, there's maybe a handful of those conversations I know in my life that I can turn on like a video and watch and see and hear and almost put myself right back into that conversation. In 1981, I was finishing high school at Orange Lutheran. My my father was uh, either wise enough, kind enough, or crazy enough to let me pull his pop-up camper down to San Clemente, which was an experience all in itself. We pulled it behind my friend Jeff's old Impala, which could have put everything plus the truck in the back. That Impala was enormous. At one point heading down the 5 freeway, I looked at Jeff and I said, you're going 80. And the trailer was going like this <laughs> on down the 5 freeway. My dad had said, you guys can camp out. You can use the camper. And we were down there about five nights, six days. And just the guys, just the fellas. We'd all kind of grown up together. A few of us from Zion, a number of them from here, including Don Pargy's son, Dwight, was a part of that as, as well. And I believe there were seven or eight of us down there. And we were all fixing to go. Everyone was going someplace else. Some were headed to Northern California, some to Texas. I was heading to Cal State Fullerton. But we all knew that this was kind of the last spring break, that from this point on in graduation, we would all be dispersed to wherever God would lead us. One night, it got really chilly and foggy as it does in San Clemente. And I had a, a little piece of maybe 18 by 18 plywood that I put into the fire as it got dark and cold. And it burned beautifully and slowly. And the guys came up from the beach and over from the station and in from the town and slow and steady. No girls, no loudness, no rivalry, no laughter, just hushed tones. Guy stuff, as my grandson says guy conversation, the crackling of the fire, the dancing of the flames on our faces, the reality that we'd probably never have another moment like this with one another dawned on us. And so we talked. We encouraged one another. We told stories. We chuckled a little bit. And we were all caught up in that beautiful moment that no one ever seemed to forget. So much so that 41 years later, as I was at a reunion this summer down near Disneyland, two of my friends, Scott and Eric, looked at me and they said, do you remember sitting next to the fire in San Clemente outside of your dad's trailer and just sitting and hanging out? We nodded our heads, we smiled and we said, yeah, we remembered the moment, the feelings, the conversation, and you remember, 
You remember those conversations you had with someone you knew and loved that shared your life in a very intimate, warm time, in a very powerful moment from which your heart was changed in a way that's so difficult to describe. The book of Philippians is that conversation We started with Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Corinthians and and everyone there's this kind of course beginning to these books. Paul is saying, you guys are messed up, you foolish Galatians, you silly Corinthians, what in the world is going on? But the words of the book of Philippians, man, these people are close. They love one another, they're, they're tight. It's a community that 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 really hasn't deviated from what Paul had given them to do. And it was so clear that they were partners in the gospel and that Paul had an affection towards them that was unlike the others, at least as far as the epistles read. Maybe when we get to heaven eventually we can ask Paul what was his favorite church and right after St. John's Orange he'll say, the church in Philippi. You've had those conversations, you know those conversations. Those of us who are parents, we yearn for those conversations because it's in those moments that hearts are open in a way that maybe they're never open previously. There's three pieces of this conversation that I'd like to pull out for you, three verses that just speak to our hearts this morning and warm our hearts in the middle of the fall, in the middle of the anxiety, in the middle of all we got to do and help us remember what God speaks into our ears and the great and deep intimate love that God has for us. As Paul starts this letter, the very first chapter, the very, very top, the third verse, he says these words, I thank my God every time I remember you. Where do you go with that? What a beautiful thing to say to someone. Whenever I remember you, I give thanks to God. The first words out the chute of this letter weren't, you're silly, you're crazy, you're foolish. The first words after grace to you and peace were, I thank God every time I remember you. St. Paul loved these people. They had a warm and a kind, a supportive relationship. And so first his heart turns towards gratitude, which Paul loves to do. And later on, he's going to point us all to grateful spirits. But he is specifically grateful for this congregation and this handful of people. In our age of busyness and taking people for granted and working through lists of things that have to, have to be done, thinking more like human doings or human androids that are programmed to have to do all this stuff rather than human beings, perhaps those words are words that we can take into our heart and maybe into our conversations. I thank my God every time I remember you. What a powerful conversation starter for those we know and those we love. It's so disarming and so beautiful. How's someone going to respond to that? What were you thankful when? No, no. It starts the mind and the heart spinning. 
It calls to mind those conversations. It calls to mind those shared experiences in the best sense. It's letting the person know that you love them unconditionally and that they are the object of your love and your affection. It's letting them know that they are a gift of God to you. I thank my God every time I remember you. It evokes strong, loving, positive, kind feelings and words. And who needs to hear that? I think we all need to hear that. I think we all need to hear from the Word of God that God gives thanks every time He remembers us and that we as brothers and sisters in Christ that we give thanks every time we remember one another. And then Paul points them to the gospel. He says, for you are partners of the gospel with you and me. You've always been there for me. It's the gospel that links their hearts and ours. It's that good news of Jesus Christ. For they're partners more than just uh, cheering for the same team or having a geographical, <coughs> having geography in common. It's more than serving on a staff or a friendship. They hold in common faith in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of their sins, the mercy of God, the common history that in Christ has drawn them together. Fifty years ago, they didn't even know one another. And now they're partners at the roots of the biggest movement in the history of humanity. And so Paul greets them with grace and mercy and peace. And those marvelous words, I thank my God every time I remember you. To whom would you say that today? And how would that help them lean in to the relationship that you have with them? Second piece of Paul con- Paul's conversation that I want to draw your attention to is Philippians 3, 13 through 14 Paul writes but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus he establishes this marvelous warm relationship with them and then he points them to Christ in Philippians chapter 2 he says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus and he speaks of the humility and the exaltation of Jesus in the Carmen Christi of Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 and then he begins to to speak again with words of inspiration and motivation he says forget what's behind and strain on toward what's ahead who better to say that than Paul who in his past history was a scoundrel and a murderer but now he was on a different trajectory the Lord had taken a hold of Paul taken a hold of Paul's life on the road to Damascus knocked him off the horse made him blind took him to be kind of rededicated and figured out the scales dropped from his eyes and now he's God's vessel to bring the gospel into the Gentile world forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead what is your trajectory where are you going what does it look like as you go what are you focused on 
Paul says he's moving heavenward. He's on his way. There's an urgency as Paul ages. He's got this intrinsic thing inside of him that says, i got to go. And maybe he's winding down a little bit. We're not sure what it was. My wife's grandfather thought for sure that Paul's thorn in the flesh was arthritis because her grandpa only had one arm from a farming accident and his hand was filled with arthritis. He said, I'm pretty sure Paul's thorn in the flesh, his pain was arthritis. And he'd smile and put his hair back in his farm house. I've had people say that Paul's thorn in the flesh was his mother-in-law. I don't believe that to be true. Forget what is behind. Paul's saying, get on the bus. Let's go together. Come on. I love you. I'm with you. I thank God for you. Because we're all in the bus. We're all moving closer and closer to the Lord Jesus and eternity. Forget what is behind. Forget your regrets, your failures, your sins, your broken pieces. Leave those at the feet of Jesus. He's not counting your past against you. Why should you? Forget what is behind and press on, Paul says. What are the things before you? What are your ambitions? What are you driving toward? Well, then drive and forget what's behind. Strain on toward what is ahead. For what is ahead is heaven. Yesterday, I was able to officiate at a memorial service for a a great member of our congregation. She was 103 and a half years old, and she's got a group of people here from Beamer, Nebraska. 103 and a half years old. I visited with her the Thursday before she passed. And she had this beautiful red hair, all dolled up and perfect. There were two things, well, three things she didn't miss. She didn't miss her hair appointment, to make sure that beautiful 100-year-old hair was red. She didn't miss bowling until she finally couldn't go anymore. And she didn't miss worship at St. John's. All three were critical to what she was all about. As I visited with her, she sat in her chair with the sun kind of coming in from the street on Anaheim and She reflected on her life. She knew that her heart was going out. She knew that she was hurting. But she also knew that she was on her way to see Jesus. And her words were filled with hope and peace. She knew that there would be that moment where the heart would stop. But she didn't seem to be anxious or worried about it. She was tranquil. It was one of those visits that was inspiring to me where I dove down the block and turned around and instead of going to Jack in the Box to get the two taco deal, I sat in the car for a minute and reflected on what it means to be moving heavenward. Her life was inspiring. Yesterday, the family gathered together. They celebrated with story, her faith. And the peace and the kindness that they had lasted all afternoon over in Walker Hall as they rejoiced at her receiving the prize for which God had called her heavenward. We're all headed to heaven. And sometimes in the midst of all of the garbage of the world, we forget that. 
Paul to the people he loves the most there in Philippi and here this morning says, forget what is behind and strain on toward what is ahead. And then that third piece. One of the most ambitious sermon series I ever put together was preaching six or seven weeks on Philippians chapter 4. And as a congregation, we about had that memorized in four, five, six, seven, verse, uh, four verses. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, we about had it memorized. Let's see if you remember. I'll start and you join in as you're able. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Tuck that in your heart. You and me, we, we need that. I was reminded this week with just not feeling well 100%, and now feeling actually this is the best I've felt in five days. I feel pretty good today. I can go another probably three minutes till my voice gives out. But Our congregation is back to pre-COVID levels in terms of programming, but our impact our impact has probably not been greater in years, at least as many years as I've been here. And there's an anxiety that begins to grow around the edges of our ministry. And things start to kind of get a little frazzled and people get a little frazzled and I get a little anxious and others get a little anxious and we bring our anxiety together and kind of slowly whips into an anxiety tornado and we say, oh, what are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And then verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love the, the pieces of those verses that are inclusive. Always, all, anything, everything transcends all. God has your life, your total life wrapped up. There's not an extraneous piece of it that he is not willing or ready to forgive or that you can hide from him. God is with you and your life is wrapped up in his love his conversation with you is not a tongue lashing or a brow beating when he remembers you he gives thanks when he looks at you he encourages you on your way to heaven and when you're anxious and we live in a chronically anxious culture and nation and we're just getting started in the election cycle if you think you're anxious now Remember, your Lord Jesus, when you're anxious, he calms you. I think we need to be mindful of that calming presence 
of the Lord. Anxiety, it sneaks up, it wraps up, it suffocates, but joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Joy is rooted in Christ, and those roots go deep. The branches grow and flourish. The good fruit is the ability to navigate difficult times. Man, the Philippians are going to figure that out. In the church of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years, we've been able to figure things out better than any empire in the history of the world. The people of Jesus rooted in his love. Understanding that in difficult times and in all times, we who are heavenward focused are tethered to Jesus. And he's drawing us nearer and nearer to himself with his love. Every time, every circumstance, all things. Being mindful. And being mindful isn't a punch in the mouth. Being mindful is looking at that anxious situation and saying, you know what, there's another way I can think about this. The preacher said, remember, rejoice in the Lord. Okay, I'll chill. Rejoice. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. And be reminded that you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. And with him, you will make it through. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Ask and give thanks. And the residue of joy is peace. The next fruit on the tree of the vine is peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When our lives are pointed toward heaven, when our hearts are united in Christ and with one another, when our conversations are filled with goodness and depth and encouragement and love, then by all means and in all circumstances, we can rejoice and be grateful. Those words will ring in my ear today and until I see my Lord face to face especially with the affection that a pastor has for his people in a setting like ours. Whenever I remember you, I always give thanks to God. In the name of Jesus, amen.